0: What's up guys? It's Liz Kelly and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. April is a huge month for TV and starting this weekend, the Recapables feed returns to give you in-depth analysis on your favorite TV shows, including Killing Eve, Billions and many more. There will also be a special pre capable series on the Recapables feed on the final season of Game of Thrones, where our staff forecasts what will happen every Sunday on the show. So make sure to subscribe now before the premiere of Killing Eve and Game of Thrones on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Basketball is very good. The Wizards
1: underpaid John Wall. AD should resign with the Pelicans. That's actually won the Celtics trade. Basketball is very good. Hello, hi, welcome to the Ringer NBA show. This is the group chat. I am Justin Verrier and joining me as always, I'm going to start with one Palugetti, Getty, uh, our very own playoff P. Getting ready, let's go. He's ready. Also joining us, Haley O'Shaughnessy.
0: Let me put my contacts in real quick. Yeah. <laughs> this will be a lot better.
1: I, as someone who has a slight stigmatism, I definitely uh, I yeah. feel for him. Same. For, for Steph Curry is who we're talking about. I'm going
0: to go get my eye checked because Steph <laughs> had a slump, found out that he would shoot better with contacts in. What did he say? Quote, it's a whole new world.
1: Yeah. yeah. I'm wondering what he was doing like with his eye doctor beforehand.
2: Was he just not seeing his not healthcare going. providers? Yeah. It sounded like from the story from the Marcus Thompson story that he had this Basically, condition that he'd never really like taken care of. I guess where mm. you can't even have LASIK surgery because that's that would even worsen it, I think, or mm. something like that. So I don't really know. I I just know that I'm very blind as well. So the eye is a complicated thing.
1: I feel like that happens a lot with guys just try, who uh, have been shooting poorly. They just always go to the eye doctor, and all of a sudden they find like the slightest thing wrong with them, and all of a sudden they have the proper contacts to
2: wear. Then. I'm just wondering, like, what does the basket look like to you when you don't... Ha- like, can you not tell? Like, I feel like that's one of those things. Like, I'm very blind and I can't... Like, if I take my glasses, if I can't, like, read, like, the closest sign next to me. It's-
0: Imagine how accurate he is that he's been shooting right. this way without...
2: It's like he just sees the net and he's like, oh, I just chuck Good it vision. up sir.
1: Well, is he nearsighted or is he farsighted? You know? That's my biggest question. <laughs> yeah, well, astigmatism,
2: I think is... I don't want to get this wrong, but I think it's nearsighted, but I could be wrong. That sounds about right. That's what yeah. I have. I, I'm farsighted.
0: I, I'm perfect, so. <laughs> uh,
2: today. What uh, was
0: that laugh about? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> Sorry, we're going to have a conversation <laughs> after this. No,
1: <laughs> Let's do this, guys. <laughs> All right. On today's show, we're going to talk about some teams that are peaking and slumping before the playoffs. Uh, playoffs start next week. This is our last group chat before the playoffs, guys. Wow. It's about what time. What are our
0: standings? Where are we?
1: Uh, I think we're on on the like the eighth seed bubble. Yeah, yeah. take the bubble. <laughs> that I'll sounds take the about bubble. right. <clears throat> we're the Heat. We're just dying to get in. We lost Josh Richardson. I guess that's Chris. Yeah. Uh, we'll also we'll also <laughs> talk about some other stuff. But uh, first, I want to talk about the real winners of this week: the Washington Wizards uh, firing Ernie Grunfeld after 16 years at the helm. 16 years. I'm trying to think of the last thing I did for 16 years. I don't think it's anything. Maybe put contacts live. in. Yeah. Besides, <laughs> live. besides lived. Yeah. Well, you, you could argue. <laughs> One could argue. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna talk about some other bad teams in relation to the Wizards. Uh, we're gonna call them our futureless rankings. Basically, uh, a ranking of all the bad situations in the league. Uh, which ones are the worst? Uh, but starting with the Wizards, who I would say have the bleakest outlook in the NBA right now. Uh, simply because while they got rid of Grunfeld and they brought in Tommy Shepard, a guy who, uh, as far as I know, is is respected around the league, even though he spent a lot of his prime years underneath Ernie Grunfeld. Uh, he's just one of these guys that's known for being a little bit ahead of the curve. Uh, he's got his work cut out for him, if he does indeed stay, currently the interim role. Uh, just based on the sa- the salary they have in the books, John Wall's contract is probably the one of the worst contracts of the past couple of years. Uh, really getting Gilbert Arenas vibes, which makes it... Uh, appropriate that this is happening in Washington again. Does this seem like, Haley, the worst situation in the league to you?
0: So, are we talking about teams that I would least want to take over?
1: Sure, we can go with that.
0: Okay. You're the May-
1: you, you're taking interviews for GM jobs yeah. right now, so.
0: Okay, I mean, I didn't want to say it. I was going to break <laughs> it to you guys privately. The Wizards are tough, but it's almost hard for me to say that they are the worst outcome right now because, or have the least appealing future because part of what made them so unappealing to me before was Grunfeld mm-hmm. and it seemed like he was never going to be let go and so that was a major part of it and you know we thought because of him they would never be able to break up the big three which they actually did he traded Otto Porter before he was fired but I think that that played a large part in it
2: big so, three there is <laughs> little little generous they called stuff. them
0: they called them the big three sure. I mean that's. Big three can be so many things.
1: Right, we could be a big three. One might say, "Great point."
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's extremely flexible (laughs) these days. But
1: but, you know, I mean,
0: Um, they are capped out. But one of those players is Bradley Beal. Who knows? Like, maybe the new guy will come in and tell Ted, "Like, you have to let me hinky this." They will completely blow it up. There are just possibilities now because we don't know who's going to take over. Now, a lot of people think that. A lot of what Ernie did was really what Ted wanted. So maybe it'll just be more of the same with the next person. But no, I would not call them the bleakest. I would have before, but not anymore because things could change.
2: Yeah, I think I would agree with that in that they're not the bleakest, but my reasoning would just be like Bradley Beale. <laughs> like right. he's really good. He's like, the ultimate guy. Yeah. I think that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, he's just been, I just think he's really good. And, he they have talent and it, you know sure just just by him alone right and that gives you some sort of hope to be i don't know what right but like haley was saying maybe the GM that comes in is the guy who comes and blows everything up now it doesn't seem like that's the direction that they want to go in,
0: no, because a part of the reason why he said he decided to finally fire Ernie right. was that they didn't have the 50 win right. season, which was their goal, and didn't go further. In the so, playoffs. I don't
1: this know what does that to mean. Beyonce they're gonna, is the
2: owner, right? Yeah, sorry. Yes. So, I don't know if they're gonna try to do a version of like the Clippers rebuild where they didn't really rebuild, they just kind of restocked and re upped or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's gonna work. That's obviously a very unique circumstance, but
0: you really don't see that a lot.
2: You really don't, and so I mean. I think they probably should go the blow it up route, but.
0: If they did go the Clippers route, then it would mean finding a home for John Wall, which is not, was not, would not nearly be as hard as, uh, well, obviously Chris Paul forced a trade. It's not as hard as it was to trade Blake Griffin. And then also DeAndre Jordan was up by himself. Yeah. Now, because they also don't have. A number of their future picks. I think they don't. They've given away every pick until 2024. It's a second round pick. First round picks, we'll check, and I'll get back to you. But because of that, if they do decide, like I think it's smart to honestly let Bill go. But that's that's where I'm. That's where I don't know. It's hard to say that also because Washington is not somewhere that free agents go.
1: Yeah, it's tough because you look at the Clippers' situation and they've been able to kind of rebuild on the fly there. I I think we've gotten to this habit of just assuming that the next star player is just going to want out of it. But I think there is something to be said about just trying to make it work while they're there. I think Bradley Beal is a guy who could feasibly still make an all-NBA team. I don't know if they will have the wins and he'll have the support for it. Uh, But I would try to do what I can to make it work. To Haley's point, uh, Blake Griffin, even though he is often injured, is an all-NBA guy in himself like when he is playing. I don't know if John Wall's ever going to get back to that.
0: Right, that's the issue.
1: And so that's why, to me, it's like they just have this millstone of a contract. It's one of the biggest contracts in the league that didn't even start, his extension part of it didn't kick in uh, yet. That comes this summer. And then you have most likely four more years. Last year's a player (sighs) option, but who's turning down $46.872 million in 2022 and 2023. One team that like the only team I can think of that's even close to that would be the Lakers. And again, a Gilbert Arenas sort of move where the magic seemed like they were on their last leg. They needed to make things work. They swung the deal for Arenas, just hoping that getting the talent in there would would kind of elongate their window with Tr- Dwight Howard toward the end there. It seems extreme, though. It's it's just completely improbable, especially considering, like, worst-case Lakers probably can sign, like, a Chris Middleton or someone like that. I
0: can't see them—I can't see any team trading for John Wall and not asking for other assets. Yeah. Which is a problem because, A, the Wizards don't have them. And, B, that's not how a future GM or president is going to want to start his tenure.
1: Yeah, I'll say this about the Wizards. I don't think they've drafted particularly poorly. Um, I don't have much of an opinion on Troy Brown. He's a young guy. He's still 19. And maybe he turns into something. He, he's like the type of wing guy you want. But when they were at the top of the draft, they didn't flub it. They weren't like the Hornets with Michael K. Gilchrist at number two. Bradley Beal's is an All-NBA player. John Wall when he's healthy. Uh, an all NBA player. Yeah. Otto Porter, they overpaid to keep him. Probably not the best move, but still a very good player who uh, I think has kind of made sense of the Chicago Bulls' roster a little bit. Sadaransky also helpful. I don't know. It's just,
0: I think the, I, worst, I really, of, really... the worst of their worst was really bad, Vestley. And then also, it's just that they haven't kept and developed those picks either. Like the products of who they've drafted has it looks so much worse because think about the guys that they've kept who they've drafted. I saw a tweet that was like, since 2009, it's Sadoransky and Brown mm-hmm. because Kelly Oubre was traded. Yeah. Right. And the, that's, that's the, the issue with that's it. That makes it look too, way worse.
2: The, the trades for, for But to be Uber clear, they've and, had
0: really bad draft picks.
1: Yeah, with the trades for Oubre. Well, in the past, I think recently they've drafted recently,
2: pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, I just Depending think for safety's sake, is.
0: like, so someone doesn't come here and like, protests outside we should just say that like the wizards have drafted poorly in the past
1: in in the distant past i would say i think vesley is a mistake i think some of the other ones are mistakes but i i would say that their their drafting has been fine i think it's what they've done around their draft picks that
0: and the development is really bad yeah Yeah, it's just like
1: it's it's just what have they done in addition to just drafting players and signing them to the max available contracts
0: the pressure
2: is also there's no direction like the reason they traded they they let Ubre go and uh, you know via trade is because and they got Trevor Ariza back like what what was that like an expiring year. contract right and then out of Porter you get you get Bobby Portis and Joe Wright Parker back but it's like what like what what's the end game there you know what I'm saying there like, wasn't much of a plan and, I think right.
0: that with the Porter contract actually I'm support- supportive of that trade because it was a mistake when they offered it to him and for a team that's already so tight in what they can do. It was just too much money to pay him. He wasn't like materializing into a guy who was worth that contract, in my opinion. Bobby Portis is someone who's far cheaper, and i I don't want to say the word's more useful but more useful compared to what you have to pay him and it gives you the flexibility like I always go back to the wolves it's they're so lucky that Jimmy Butler wanted to trade because if they would have felt. Like they were forced into re-signing him, it would have given them no flexibility. All of a sudden, they have a lot of flexibility, and they have players like Bobby Portis who are, you know, like Robert Cummington. It gives them more flexibility to choose a different future going forward.
1: Yeah, I don't. I just think that they had something going there. This is a team that we expected to be on the rise with that core of, of Beal and Wall. Uh, just a few years ago, we thought that that's the team of the future. Uh, it's just everything that they've done since then has been pretty questionable to me. And including it's just they, they got all this cap space assuming that they could sign somebody. And when they didn't, right. uh, they kind of panicked and just signed everybody off the street that they could. Uh, Andrew Nicholson, yeah. some of these other yeah. guys. Yeah, Mahimi. Yeah, yeah the like,
2: KD uh, sort of... Uh, Thinking KD
0: was going to yeah, come that was, was, that was, was, and, and was, then panicking mistake. afterwards is right. like, you can point to every team that's in cap trouble. It's because right. they panicked. Afterwards. So it, it really, I,
2: guess, I guess that
1: would be the reason for optimism is that they do have Beal... We'll see what happens with Wall. If someone can have more of a clear directive, if Ted Leone's is the owner, uh, can put someone in place there who has more of a vision or who can walk the line between being competitive and not bottoming out totally, there's something there, is what, is yeah. what I would say. And yeah. So perhaps that's the counter argument to saying that the, the, the bleakest uh, place th- in the league. I
0: think the, uh, something else that should be mentioned is that this kind of goes along with development, but the culture is just really bad. And, you know, I don't know how much that has to do with if that will end until, you know, wall isn't there anymore. I I think that some things might be a little bit beyond repair. And when you're thinking like a major overhaul, maybe it's time to overhaul more pieces than just the GM. Right. And or that's, sorry, the president.
1: And that's the big part of, of a lead decision maker's role is to establish that culture, get the right coaches in place to carry it out. Um, you hear that a lot. I mean, Paolo just spent some time with the Atlanta Hawks. Mm-hmm. You could just tell from some of the details you were describing in your story earlier this week, uh, up on the website, uh, just how there's like there's something changing there. There just seems like everyone's yeah. on the same page. It seems like there's like this infectious joy that spreads throughout them, uh, and that's something that you know that can't really be. That's priceless.
2: Yeah. You, know? you. I guess you you sort of need somebody to not just to manage, but but to establish. If that makes sense, like because everything sort of flows from that and and obviously the Hawks hiring Travis Schlank from the Warriors and then him bringing in Lloyd Pierce. It was like they were all sequential decisions that had a through line, right? And that's, I think, what's most important where you can see that through line eventually like blossoming into a, maybe not a successful team, but, but a, a team that has a plan and that could have a chance at success because of the way they're building the foundation.
0: I think the Nets are really comparable in that way Like, I would text Paolo the other day when the, um, it seemed like the entire Nets team went to their G League semifinals and now they're going to the, their team's going to the finals. And um, Theo Pinson hit a last second buzzer beater and like D'Angelo Russell and everyone exploded off the bench. And something like that didn't necessarily, like, that doesn't exist on the Warriors or sorry, that doesn't exist on the Wizards. Yeah. Although it doesn't really exist on the Warriors right now. Either. Well, yeah,
2: it's just a different type of team where like sort of all the young guys, you have some young guys go up to the to the uh, NBA team and back to the G League team. Like the Clippers have a little bit of that too with like Sander Stornwell and a couple of the other guys like Jerome Robinson where they're on both teams. And, and you see sort of the connective tissue right. across the multiple uh, teams.
0: Whereas when I was in the Wizards locker room earlier this season for the Thomas Sadoransky story I did, it was the most bizarre and quiet locker room I've ever been in. No one was playing music. No one was talking. Like, two people were showing each other memes on their phone.
2: Wow. Memes
1: Memes do bring people together. (laughs) Memes do
0: bring people together. That's true.
1: Uh, I just looked up their Wizards uh, draft picks. Since John Wall, their first-round picks. Jan Vesely at six, terrible. Bradley Beal at three. Otto Porter at three. (laughs) I forgot they traded all these first-round picks. Yeah. So I'm starting to walk this back a little bit. But they got Kelly Oubre one year. Uh, I believe that was in 2015 when uh, they technically drafted Jaron Grant. I think a lot of uh, people would be this year.
0: Also thinking that their drafting has been so bad is because they've traded, which I guess you, their picks, which you can count, like technically count as part of drafting, but also because of all the players now who are veterans that they passed up on. So they're seeing that like Steph Curry could have been with the Wizards. Klay Thompson could have been with the Wizards. There are a number of guys that they passed on that who are still active, dominant players. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what hurts because it's lingering.
1: Yeah. So if not the Wizards, who would you guys say uh, is the bleakest outlook?
0: You know, honestly, like...
1: The darkest timeline.
0: The, the Suns are very much like a young team and one that have potential to change course. It's not like they're super capped out or anything. But the culture, again, is just seems so bad there. And it seems like it starts from the top you know we hear reports about the owner Robert Sarver all the time having a heavy hand in the decision making and not being very good with that decision making and it just feels like that culture won't change unless he goes
2: I think for me for just choosing teams that I think that, um, are futureless if you will the Hornets yeah like yeah. the Hornets take the cake for me I for so many different reasons like I just think that they're they're, I don't know what they're doing. And even if they. <laughs> it's usually a bad sign. <laughs> yeah, bad sign. <laughs> but maybe, you know, but it, even if they do decide to throw, you know, the entire strike toward a Kemba, which, like, sure, you want to keep your guy, it un- really underlines for me how much worse it is to, to. If you don't have a superstar, how much worse it is to try and just treat your star as a superstar.
0: Well, you and know what then I'm saying? Think about this. Think about this. All these years on Kemba's contract, one of the cheapest for someone of his talent. Right. Through the last four years, they failed to surround him with any talent. Right. So now you're going to super max him, or they could just max him.
2: Well, if he makes NBA, okay, he can be suppressed.
0: whatever. You're going to give him as much money as you possibly can. Right. Which honestly, I don't disagree with because I don't see any other future for them. And you're still going to have a hard. You're going to have an even harder time surrounding him with talent.
2: Well, that's the thing is that I'm, that I'm trying to get at is if you. That you handcuff yourself even more. So what's the alternative? Is it to try and do some sort of like 6 Sixers processing? Right. It's like, well, how do you even you have so much money on the books? There's like the, every avenue is a dead end unless you blow it up. That's the yep. thing
0: is that Kemba is someone that they got through the draft. And I think that their thinking is that that's the only way that they're going to get people.
1: Yeah, so right now, if before they make a decision on Kemba this summer, uh, he's an unrestricted free agent for the first time, they have $102 million on the books already. That's Jeez. before Kemba even comes into play here. Uh, Nick Batum, Bismack Biyombo's player option, Cody Zeller, uh, Marvin Williams' player option, and Michael Kidd Gilchrist, his player option. That's 85.1 million. This
0: is someone who multiple times, uh, sorry, this is a team who multiple times on this podcast, we've wondered who their second best player is. Not because it's like a stiff competition, but like by default.
1: I have to say, when uh, the first day possible that guys could pick up their player options this season, there's going to be, like, a party at, like, the Bojangles in Charlotte <laughs> sure. with some of these guys. Because there are three player options that, like, I can't imagine they waste even a second. Like, Bismack Biombo's, who I believe is, is coming in around, like, $15 million yeah. for doing nothing. Um I will say this. Recently, you've started to see signs uh, of the coaching staff starting to deploy their guys in a little bit more of an interesting way. I think we talked about this briefly last week. Uh, and Kevin O'Connor wrote about it uh, for the Ringer, I think, two weeks ago. Just kind of what they've been doing and, and the, the obstacles facing Kemba Walker. Uh, but they're kind of leaning into some of these younger guys. You're seeing more Miles Bridges. You're seeing Dwayne Bacon a little bit more, who's who's mm-hmm. kind of like budget what Malink Monk was supposed to be, right? Uh, and so there's this like chalk outline of a versatile, switchy team yeah. with like a rim protector and Bismack at the rim. Uh, still, it does feel like they're yeah. trying. Like they're trying. I mean, trying that's the thing. It's like. To if, do something
2: if you're gonna pick something to put your hope in, if you want, if you want to call it that, it is sort of the coaching staff and 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 that new, you know, Jim Spreger coming in and sort of trying to establish a different kind of culture, if you will, and playing those young guys more. But again, it goes a, a like that crashes against the everything that is on your pay sheet, if you will, you know. Yeah. So, so it's like, how do you do that and how do you consider the future of the team while also considering? how Kemba fits into that. And and I think that's obviously the biggest question for them this offseason. But it doesn't sound like they're not going to offer him all the money. It's just about whether he turns it down or not.
0: They have a number of second-round draft picks going out as late as 2021. But they also do have... They should have four coming in. There's, like, stipulations on both sides. But... It's not, it could be worse.
1: Yeah. And they haven't drafted particularly well o- o- over the course of the past few years. Monk, I don't have much faith in him. I don't know if you guys still do, but Kaminsky, another guy who's kind of dying
0: on the vine there. Malik well, Monk is yeah, going to come around. He's young. Mitch didn't draft them.
1: Yeah. He, he had, <laughs> All right. Uh, his Put own your faith in Mitch. In, in the Lakers right. situation. Uh, so I have the Charlotte at two, actually, uh, as my bleakest outlooks. Um, I had the Suns seven just because it feels like I agree with Haley. Uh, But just a tanking team just has all this wealth of talent. And so you just hope if they get the right coach uh, that they can do something. But I I totally agree that everything comes from the top down. and uh, It is hard to to attach that
0: to a team that's not like monetarily stuck. Yeah. You know, I think that that's what makes the Wizards, even though they have the most talent out of the three teams we listed at the top, the most bleak situation.
1: And I, you could look at the Tyler Johnson trade they swung uh, at the deadline as is kind of like maybe understanding their situation a little bit, just that they have cap space, but like, were they really going to sign any, anybody? Right. And do you really want it to disrupt like the good that you've kind of fostered with Devin Booker, who's going off for, you know, 50 and 60 pretty at, much every night? And then we got last still night, losing, but yeah, he did get
2: looks be night.
0: Fine. At the end of the season, what do we think about the signings that they had at the beginning? So obviously they traded Trevor Ariza. But like they brought him in, they brought in Ryan Anderson. Am I missing someone?
1: That was pretty much the gist of it. I, I mean, Tyson- at the time, well, Tyson at the
0: chairman. time, it was like, okay, they're trying to add veterans who might help the growth process. Mm-hmm. You know, both of them sure. were came from a winning team, but I mean, it didn't really work.
1: Yeah, I think that signing, uh, in addition to firing Ryan McDonough as GM, just kind of underscored like. How their perception of what their team was just wasn't reality, and we were saying this in the preseason too. Like, at best, let's say all of their draft picks play well, they're still a super young team, and young teams make mistakes. There's like in, in the West, uh, where like a team like the Kings can't even break in; uh, it was impossible. They weren't going to make the playoffs regardless. And it was just yeah. like, and that's where the ownership and and kind of what the directive is coming into play with some of these teams, where even if you're doing everything right, even if Aiton becomes the next Shack. Uh, If you're not, like, if if things aren't in order, if you're not deploying them properly, if you're not giving them the appropriate time, like, that screws everything up. It undercuts everything you're going to do. Well, and it's also the system. Like,
0: you think about the Hawks, like, we're so into their system. And that's, I think, why we're, you know, assuming that they're going to have, like, a bright future, maybe more so than, I mean, definitely more so than Phoenix. I think we're already seeing the guys used in ways that we like, which, whereas with Phoenix, it's, like, not necessarily true. Yeah.
1: So I had Phoenix at seven uh, on my personal rankings. Number three on mine is the Detroit Pistons. It's a bit of a curveball because
0: <laughs> I literally forgot they existed, or they probably well, no. would have been too for tough, me.
1: Tough look for Detroit man. <laughs> that's that's perfect then, because Ooh. it does feel like even though they are probably going to make the playoffs, and Josh Richardson uh, just it, news came down that he might miss two weeks with an injured groin, so uh, it seems like the Heat are functionally out of that race unless they can rally here. But the Pistons are thirty-nine and thirty-nine this season, and that's nice, but that's probably the best they're going to get with this current core. Uh, Blake has played like an All-NBA player, as we mentioned, but like he's already 30.
0: It's truly such a waste of a healthy Blake season, which is so sad.
2: Well, they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, it, that that's, I, that's their ceiling to me. So it's not really, I don't know if it's a waste. It's just like, this is just who they are.
0: I think it is a waste because Blake could be on a team that, I mean, could possibly get to a finals if he's surrounded by the right person. Yeah, well, I think
2: we've seen that story before, though. <laughs> the Clippers. Like, yeah. He would be good. There are many
0: variables that go into that. Like sure, how many years no, were one of, of them injured? There, That's the thing about the I'm Clippers. Is, I think it was never choking as much as it was like bad situations for me.
1: I think he'd be interesting on a team that already has something in place. And he if he was like the fourth guy, if you're a team like the Rockets a few years from now, and let's just say that you have the contracts in order to swing a deal for him and the, the Pistons just want to dump his contract – I feel like he would be the type of guy, like, you put him in a winning situation. Well, they they wouldn't trade for him because they have Chris Paul. But a team like them,
2: yeah.
1: uh, the Heat, for instance, let's say the, the Heat, Heat. That's interesting. Just want to get a star, in air quotes, into their system. Mm-hmm. I think he's the guy who could maybe take a, a second step under expulsion and that uh, whatever they're doing in the gym there where everybody gets abs all of a sudden. Um, yeah. <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> just, <laughs> so, just,
1: magic, seems abs. Nice. Yeah, just use the... Use the medicine ball or... What do you use for right abs? On the beach. What do you use for abs?
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: crunches? Yep. Do people still do crunches? Planks. Planks? Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's do some planks later. <laughs> like but Summer's yeah. coming. Even next season, uh, it's already looking bad because uh, between Reggie Jackson, John Lure, who's playing 10 minutes a game, uh, and and Langston Galloway, uh, they have thirty five million on their books. The one thing is, like Drummond's player option becomes a bit of a question because he's the type of guy who could probably get money elsewhere. I don't how know how much is his player option worth. Uh, it's worth twenty eight point eight million, which is a he's lot. No,
0: he is definitely opting into that. It's
1: tough. He's twenty five right now. He's going to be. 27. It is crazy
0: that he is twenty five right now.
2: Yeah. I guess the age could you can make a case that he could get more than that. It's yeah, but right. if he stays the same
0: center, it's interesting because this year they kept saying that uh, he's going to, Dwayne Casey was like, no, he's going to become more versatile. His skill set will become more versatile on offense. But if he stays the same center, think of two more years of, you know, progressing this modern offensive, taller guys coming into the league and being able to offer more.
2: He needs to stop shooting threes. <laughs> like, just, yeah, he's taking... Until
0: the playoffs! And then he should God. pull it out. <laughs> he's
1: taking... 38 total this year. He has made five of them. So, like, kudos for trying. You know, we all need self-improvement in our lives. That's what summer, That's what the summertime is for.
0: Vulnerability. <laughs> He's showing vulnerability. Wow. Uh,
1: sh- summer is it. for shooting and abs, yes. Uh, Paulo, who do you have uh, on your personal ranking?
2: Well, number one was the Hornets, but I think the Pelicans are in a weird spot, too. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, <laughs> yeah. Some weird yes. a because they don't have... Like, you have the Grizzlies on this list, which I'm sure we'll get through or we're not. But they have a young player in Jaron Jackson Jr. I don't know who the Pelicans have as much as I like Frank Jackson. Like, they don't have, like, that type of guy to sort of at least hold on to. Now, that might change with the Anthony Davis trade. But it really depends on what they're looking for to get in that trade. Are they looking for a picks package? Are they looking for a player package? Are... Who are they going to hire as a GM? Mark Stein reported today that apparently David Griffin interviewed. So that's interesting. Uh, but again, it goes back to sort of the theme we were talking about. It's just like you need some sort of idea, some sort of foundation, some side, some guy to come in and be like, "Hey, this is what we want for Anthony Davis. This is we're gonna what we're gonna go get."
0: Yeah, because they have Drew, which is yeah. at least some. I mean, it's some stability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. They need to kill that trade, though. They need to like really, really be smart in that trade or else this is, they're going to think
2: they can't like, that's the question. It
0: depends on the GM, I guess.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And we spent a whole podcast talking about like some of the difficulties they might have uh, trading with the Lakers again, and then kind of the cascading effects of that. Plus like if Kyrie leaves Boston, like what are they getting in there? I I assume they'll have some sort of promising young player or draft pick to come away with it. Um, But you know, it gets, it gets really interesting there. Drew's the type of guy who's young enough, who's good enough, where you could do a clippers style reboot with him s- playing some sort of role but i do wonder if he's the type of guy who wants to waste his prime essentially not competing for the playoffs this is a guy who's had lots of injury issues over the course of his career i don't know if he's going to want to waste like some of his best basketball just like trying to make it work with frank jackson yeah
0: i'm not sure but yes i'm not sure <laughs> that uh i don't know this for sure i i can't think like of a certain quote but drew strikes me as the guy who's like the Bradley Beal type who's like yeah. no I won't give up on it it's fine
2: yeah i, yeah, I think he just wants especially to the after the anthony like, davis I thing i think he would probably enjoy playing in la because this is that's where he lives but aside from that i don't I, I don't think it matters to him really yeah i'm sure he wants to win as much as the next guy but you know
1: he's a tough guy to figure out i think i think if the situation was going well he'd want to stay uh he did say uh pretty, amidst all the anthony davis like kerfuffling kerfuffling is that a word kerfuffle sure. Kerfuffles? Kerfuffle!
2: You're just making. Yeah, I'm let's
1: just do uh, it. I'm just, it in, I'll yeah. Do your thing.
2: That's good.
1: I'm innovative, you know. Yeah. That one <laughs> of the big Iconic reasons. Class. <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> uh, one of the big reasons he stayed was uh, two years ago when he signed. Uh, signed with the Pelicans was just uh, in order to kind of play with Anthony Davis. And he
0: did say that for sure.
1: He did. He also, I think, because uh, I was still on the beat at that time, I think he was all but gone at the end of that season. Uh, I think the Mavericks were in pursuit. I think the Sixers were also rumored to have interest, but that's why the, the Pelicans paid him as much as they did. It's worked out for both sides, but that uh, that's kind of where they can go one way or another. If not, they go full reboot, and I think it's probably better for them overall, but then you open up a world of questions. Like, are we going to hit our draft picks? Do we have the system in place? Do we have the scouting system in place in order to kind of like get these guys in? And do we have, are we making the right gambles on certain guys? Like, like Kenny hustle in there, you know? Yeah. That's our guy. Um, so I don't know. It's kind of a, a big question mark. I had them at four actually right underneath the Pistons. Um,
0: I actually think that before, again, like same kind of with Washington before the Davis, Uh, You know request for a trade I had I would have had them higher but now that they have flexibility again I think that's like way more appealing to me than a team that's stuck with a talent like that Because you're not Mm -hmm. going anywhere. It's been proven for years. You're not going anywhere but the option that you could get a mix of young guys with a ton of potential and picks Okay, like if they don't pan out, you don't have to pay them. You can start over. You can keep starting over until you get a solution. And in today's NBA, it's so much more acceptable to tank and at least look like you're working towards something than it is to be on the treadmill of mediocrity.
2: Yeah, and that's why I think the summer is so big because they have to nail the GM hire and the trade. And it has to be, if they want to go back to the playoffs even. Like, that's the bar if they want to get back into the Western Conference playoff picture, which is hard enough in itself. At some point in the next five years, maybe, like, they have to get those right.
0: In the Yeah, in the next five years, like, that's realistic. But if they are setting the... I'm not even sure that the Clippers had that expectation going into the season or right. even halfway through when they traded Tobias. I'm not sure, but it's very fortunate it's worked out that way for them. I'm not sure the Pelicans could pull that off, but I also wouldn't I don't think their fans should be upset if they don't make the playoffs for three years, but all of a sudden are building toward something and going in a new direction because this direction just didn't work.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think much like Washington, there's a there's a situation where you get the right guy in place there. You, you kind of have free reign to, to do something pretty significant. The way I I'd, had I'd been—the uh, Pelicans organization had been described to me pretty recently was just— that they are so hands off, and while that works to their detriment in certain ways, if you have someone uh, like a David Griffin or some one of these other people with track record and a vision, and you just kind of let them go, that's it's ultimately probably for the best of the organization. It's just kind of there's there's not a lot of oversight, I guess, uh, and people kind of meddling, in, like in the situation with the Suns. So. That that would be uh, to the benefit of someone potentially coming in there. Uh, Haley, who else do you have on your list?
0: I just want to briefly circle back to the Wizards because something just came to me like a, a cloud from heaven, like a really, what I think is an interesting idea.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, who says no? John Wall for Andrew Wiggins.
1: That's an interesting one.
0: You fix the, Andrew Wiggins is the worst player but you f- you kind of start to fix the locker room a little bit. Maybe you like get in a new coach who you think could develop better. Now, with that being said, Ryan Saunders has it seems like inspired Wiggins. He's had quite a positive stretch as of late. But the Wolves need a point guard.
2: That's true. They need <laughs> a point guard. I don't know if they need that point guard. Especially,
0: he, I mean, I'd rather have him than Teague.
1: Yeah, Teague's on the books next year for a player option at year. Oh, I would
2: rather have a team than Teague, too. I'm just saying, I don't know what that does to their path now. I don't hate it. Yeah, it's not terrible. It's it's an interesting idea.
1: Wall's not going to play for a year. I'm, like, pouring over their books right Which now. Which is
0: good, because then they can, like, tank again. To the the, the Wolves?
1: Oh. So your team would functionally be Wall when he's healthy, Covington, Dario... Towns. I yes. guess why would that sounds great, but I I would say
2: the wizards say no. I would say the wolves say no, just because. Well, I, don't I guess know what they're Wall's getting rid of that contract. See, but that but getting rid of that contract and then taking on Andrew Wiggins' no, contract would, is mean, not that they great. Would,
0: that's true. They would have to take on another problematic tra- contract. I think that where I'm going with this is that I really believe that Wall is a problem with the other players. Mm. Um,
1: yeah that's right after Jimmy Butler you'd be sticking towns with Wall Well, <laughs> he's gonna have tough. major PTSD
0: but yeah well, I think that they are kind of different players and I think that Wall just appreciates a team that appreciates him mm-hmm. um, and I think that ever since Field got paid more at first you know he like got he's been a little resentful since all of that I think he just needs a new situation I think the Wizards need a new situation even if it's a player that's you know, obviously, has never shown the talent that Wall shown. Yeah.
2: yeah, I just
0: forgot that we were co- recording this on a podcast. So, it, Twitter, Bobby, don't make fun of me for this idea.
2: <laughs> Bobby Portis, Andrew Riggins, Jabari Parker on the same team is like, like that's just like I feel like
0: they can get rid of Jabari eventually. He's not. He's super temporary.
2: Well, he's yeah. You're right. He's
1: it was only a one year deal, right? It's so, the same option for next yeah. year, yeah. Uh, and it's Bobby. Met, uh chimes in here uh, John Wall and Towns of the Kentucky connection
0: there you go Connect- yeah and- Kentucky connects I
1: mean, immediately is, is become game,
2: Chris I Ryan's think. favorite team right there
0: they've always like so they've always said that um, Wall really wants to team up with another Kentucky guy they've you know they've like mentioned sure. multi- Anthony Davis DeMarcus Cousins I say just put them on a, all one team so I never watch that team
1: yeah, game. it's always it's always <laughs> weird to me when guys just want to play with guys who went to the same college like it's for not, like six months
0: not well, even in the same year yeah it's just like yeah. they're
1: not even really friends but they have mutual friends it's, it's a like, family Justin. their
0: mutual friend is like coach Cal, right <laughs> yeah. but you never know these guys could have recruited and that could be a special connection you know maybe like john wall recruited another player who now wants to play with him because they sure. remember that
1: Haley, who do you have
0: Oh, for what number are we on?
1: Uh, we're, we're jumping around.
0: Okay, yeah. I think I've like changed the order a couple times, but definitely the Pelicans, definitely the Pistons, definitely the Hornets, definitely the Wizards. I would go next with the Cavs. Okay. I like Memphis's future more than I did. Again, more than I did when they had uh, Gasol, and it seemed like they had to go for it because they have um, him and Conley. I just like when teams open things back up when it's clear that's not working. Mm. That's been the the philosophy for the last few years, and a lot of the teams that have abided by it are now successful, or at least we're starting to see a path where they could become successful. It works. Now, lottery reform might change that quite a bit, um, which is important because Memphis kind of has to trade for somebody or draft them to another place that's not going to get free agents. But... I think the Cavs are worse off than them.
1: Yeah, I think Memphis, the big thing uh, like working against them is obviously the draft pick they owe to Boston. Uh, It's top eight protected this year uh, and top six protected next year. So they've kind of backed themselves into a situation where they're going to be bad for the foreseeable future uh, because getting rid of Gasol kind of just solidified that and then potentially losing Conley will only make it worse. Uh, So they're going to give up a very good pick. It's just a matter of when. Uh, the uncertainty is a little concerning to me, and just the fact that while they have Jaron Jackson, not like almost losing a year of reaping the benefits of being bad, it, it might be crippling. You know, we're we're not talking about just like an instant reboot. It's it's potentially a couple years yeah. down the line now.
2: Yeah, this feels like, and and while I think your point is right about teams being aware enough to be like, all right, it's not working, let's change it. You could argue the Grizzlies should have done this few years ago. Totally. You know? I completely and I agree. I think that's one maybe coming back to bite them a little bit. And now that they have to take a sort of a longer reboot now that they have that talent, like Jaron Jackson Jr., and sort of hope that they have a, they can draft another guy. You
0: kind of get into a sun situation where like they have Devin Booker. Yeah. Yeah. He's exactly. A great but talent. What,
2: what are you gonna do with him? And is it gonna take too long to establish pot? I, I do think the Grossy's culture might be better and you know, just a little bit better than Phoenix's, but I think in general it, it is, it is a little bit tough to see how they do, how they build this. You know, because the other topics in the in in Jaren's draft have more of a, you know, I don't know, a positive outlook. Like you got the Mavs who brought in KP and the Hawks, like we talked about, and and even the Kings, right? They're they're probably going to be expected to make the playoffs next year. So I don't know. I, I it's just a tough situation, and and it's a bummer that they can't sort of maximize. Um, you know, it's probably going to come back to bite them in the sense that Jaren Jackson is going to get eventually need to get paid once the team is actually maybe getting good. And that's, that's you know, another issue to sort of keep an eye on. Right. Yeah. The
0: timing is bad.
2: Yeah. Right now Memphis
1: is sixth in the draft tanking race, uh, which means they would keep their pick for this year. Uh, it doesn't seem like they're going to get any better, too, because Jonas Valanciunas was just lost for the season. Uh, and I went to their game on Sunday. And they were playing guys I've literally never heard of before. Some guy named Dusty Hannas. Like, I follow the league really closely. I'm going to
0: pay for his personal like, trainer Talendaga this summer. Because I need Dusty that name Hannes. to be in Jul- the NBA next year.
1: Julian Washburn also got minutes. Like, I looked out nice. on the court and I was like. It sounds
0: like a and oh, Peele skit.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Dusty Hannes is, wow, that's that's special.
1: Yeah. I love that. But yeah, to to Paul's point earlier, I mean, the, the Kyle Anderson contract just seems really weird now because they're paying him for three yeah. more years after this one. Uh, and that's the type of like mid level contract that you don't just want to give out.
2: Also trading for Justin Holiday, Not great. No, you, so 29. clearly,
1: th- this wasn't the plan. Yeah. They were trying to go for it and
0: things were right. uh Something that Pat Riley said when fans were getting really frustrated this last summer that they didn't make any moves was that he wasn't going to just make trades to make trades. It was surprising because he's always someone who's pulled off these flashy trades. But you look at their team now— and they, I think they are in a better situation than they were in this summer, even with the same guys, because we've seen significant growth in some of them. Mm. And now maybe they're better set up to make a trade. They didn't rush into Jimmy Butler. I think, I'm not really sure that he's the best they could get. And then they'd have to re-sign him and they'd be in a lot. Of, I don't even know if they'd have the money to resign him. They mm. would have had, to, I mean, they would have gotten off, I don't know, maybe Hassan Whiteside contract. I don't know how they Yikes. would have done it, but they would have had to give something up. So. I think that's the um, argument for not signing guys just to sign guys, even though he said trade. I think patience and being really bad for a couple years is better.
2: Yeah, I agree.
1: Yeah, so um, I I think that's a good pivot to uh, one of the next teams I have in this list, the the New York Knicks. um, Clearly cleaned the books This year, I I think we all assume that they're going to get somebody at this point, but there does. It's pretty much hilarious
2: if they did it at this point.
1: Yeah. Well, there's that possibility. It's happened before, though. Sure. It's happened before. And then Howard Beck wrote a story in Bleach Report this week, just how he talked to a few front office people and kind of ranking uh, the big market front offices of the Nets, Knicks, Knicks. Lakers and Clippers because it's the first time really since the Max contract came into play that all four are going to be free agent players. Um, And the vibe basically was that the Knicks still have some toxicity looming over them. A lot of it because of James Dolan. Now, it could be the sort of thing where people in the league recognize that and it's completely different than a Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving who can recognize that but they also see the opportunity to play together in the biggest market uh in the league and and, and under a
0: good thing. coach I would under a good coach and also doesn't Kevin Durant have a good relationship with someone in the front office? I believe he has or at least through
2: Rich. He's connected to one of the assistant coaches too, I think. Yeah. I think if we
0: <laughs> Justin, read up. Read more. Think I, I, about, I think well I think he knows watch Steve watch Mills, a basketball game or two. Yeah, it's Steve game. Mills. It's Steve Mills. <laughs> <laughs> through Rich.
2: I think that's a great point that maybe the league looks at it that way, but maybe the players don't. Because if we're thinking about these guys as guys who want to be agents of their own future and think that they have this and really do have this power as players, they're probably thinking like, we're going to go in there and transcend whatever the issues are because that's just the type of, the the level of players we are, you know? LeBron's a perfect example. I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of have, if they have that self-confidence to be like, we don't really care about. I mean, yeah, it, it, it might be problematic down the line if Dolan still running Knicks and that's an issue that comes up with like the players and whatnot. But I think if he wants to go there, if other players want to go there, I don't know if they're necessarily, they should, they should look at the ownership, but I don't know how many are actually looking at the entirety of what the organization is as opposed to what they can make the organization.
0: LeBron is a perfect example. He knew who was going to be in the front office before he signed. And he had to have known that they didn't have very much experience.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I have the the Lakers ninth on my list, and and the Timberwolves tenth. Just
0: I would say up. for the Knicks, it's interesting how many variables matter here. Obviously, getting KD and or Kyrie matters a lot. Um, I think also it matters how the Warriors do in the playoffs. I think that if they lose in the finals, I don't think Kevin Durant is going. I don't think he's leaving. I think that the note that he left on last time when he left OKC really hurt him. I mean, obviously, like, he had Burner's account. I don't think that can be— I seriously think that that might affect it. Um, Kyrie, you never know what's going on in his head. I also think that Dolan selling the team or not selling the team, maybe out of resentment, uh, also factors into this. Because maybe they do think about that. Or maybe other players do think about that. So, I think there's actually, it's interesting because there's a lot of factors going into it. I
2: mean, we have the Clippers who are a great example of showing how good ownership can make a difference. So, it's not like it, I would imagine it's something people think about. I just think that if Kevin Durant wants to go to New York, he's going to go to New York. Like, you know, I don't know if that's going to deter him.
0: I I I seriously do.
2: I don't know. I mean, I I don't know. I think he cares a lot about
0: his image. And leaving sure. on a good note. I think he really was damaged after leaving so Okay. So you think so he, that
2: if they win, he's, he's, gone. he's gone. But if they lose, he stays. Right. Huh. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. I, I just, I think he might be gone either way. I think the losing would also be like, all right, well, this is it. Like, can't win anymore. So like, let's go. Or, you know, or the winning. It's like, well, we won everything. So let's go. You know, I don't right. know. You could frame it either way. All right. That's it. We'll wrap that up for, uh,
1: talking about some of these bad teams here, but there are still some good teams playing uh, with about a week to go for the regular season. Uh, the Bucks are playing the Philadelphia 76ers at 5 p.m. Pacific tonight on TNT. We're going to call that our watch of the night here. Uh, we do this once a week. It's pretty much the best game on the schedule. Uh, some other bad ones out there, so this is definitely the one you want to focus on tonight. Uh, it just still seems like the Sixers have a little bit of proof here, especially against some of the teams that they're going to go up against in order to potentially make the finals. Uh, the Bucks are just like losing players left and right, but uh, are still kind of motoring through the end of the season here. They won't. They probably won't get to 60 wins, although they're two out. So that one would be interesting just because from the narrative perspective, Bud, uh, Mike Budenholzer, obviously had 60 with the, the Atlanta Hawks in 2014-15, so... Uh, it's always interesting to compare those, those two separate teams. So uh, that's at 5 p.m. Pacific tonight on TNT. Remember, if you want to watch every NBA game, subscribe to NBA League Pass on NBA.com or your local cable or satellite provider. All right, we're going to take a quick break here, and we're going to talk about some good teams who are either peaking or slumping. Today's episode of The Ringer NBA Show is brought to you by Hotel Tonight. This summer is a great time to check out Hotel Tonight. Whether you want a spontaneous getaway or to escape to a warm beach, Hotel Tonight makes it easy to book a room with one of their last-minute deals. There are tons of empty hotel rooms out there just waiting to be booked. That's how Hotel Tonight scores such incredible rates. They team up with awesome hotels to help them sell those rooms and pass the savings along to you. And these aren't last-resort-type places. Hotel Tonight works with cool, top-rated hotels you actually want to stay at. Unlike other travel companies, you don't have to scroll through endless lists of hotels. Hotel Tonight shows you the best deals at great hotels, along with short profiles that have pictures and all the info you need. Even though their name is Hotel Tonight, they're not just for last minute bookings. You can play things by ear or use Hotel Tonight to book in advance. And when you join Hotel Tonight's HT Perks program, the more you book, the better the deals get. To start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels, go to hoteltonight.com or download the app now. All right, we're back. We're going to talk about some good teams, at least in theory. Uh, The big game last night from Wednesday, uh, I thought was just that Rockets Clippers game, and it ended up being a blowout right from the start there. Uh, But the Rockets, over the past couple games, have really acquitted themselves. I mean, it's so weird to think back and to look at some of like the stat sheets, and you see guys like Carmelo Anthony and James Dennis, and the fact that they weren't going to make the playoffs, and really teetering on he's Chris yeah some of these guys that are in there they're they're essentially a new team here uh, but they blew out the Clippers last night they blew out Denver a couple of games ago uh, and it, pretty much that's their path through the playoffs now it seems like they're going to get locked into that three seed Clippers with a six Denver with a two so uh, it's pretty good sign when the two teams you're going to face most likely in order to get back to the Western Conference Finals are ones you've completely dominated over the last couple games of the season um, I don't know. Do you guys feel the same way about them? Am I wrong to think that they're the most dangerous team in the NBA right now?
2: No, I agree. I think it's funny people always... There's been, you know, studies on whether the last 15, 10 games of the, se- of the regular season affect postseason play as opposed to the first 10 or 15 or in, in the concept of momentum and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I do think there's something to be said for a team figuring itself out through the course of the season and being at its best... Closer to when the games are going to matter, you know? And I think with the Rockets, you see that because of their defense specifically and how good they've been. I think they're number, the third best defense since the All-Star break. And they just seem to be so locked in on on many different levels. They know how to play with Harden. They know how to fit around them. They know how to defer, but they also know how to contribute like Chris Paul did last night. And I don't know, obviously facing the Warriors is another conversation altogether. But as far as like everybody else in the West, there's nobody else you know, I wanted to trust the Thunder for a while, but they've fallen off. So I think there's nobody else that's more dangerous.
0: Do you mean more dangerous to the most dangerous to the Warriors or just the most dangerous in general?
1: I'm not sure. I, I think definitely to the Warriors. I want to say that they might be more dangerous than the Warriors at this point.
0: I'm I, cautious about saying they've figured themselves out than just they're, in a, they're streaky and they're in another sure. uptick. I think that we haven't had this many good defenses on the East and in the West at for the top teams uh, in some years, kind of because the Cavs. So it's exciting, and I'm glad that the Rockets have like are, have a solid defense, and I think that that really matters if they can continue that in the playoffs.
2: Yeah, I think that's much more more important because we know what their offense is already. Like we know what Harden does, what where Chris Paul fits, what Capella does. It's it's all there. It's just about if they can take the advantage on defensive end somehow against the Warriors, which is very—sounds unlikely, but it's possible. That's maybe the key to uh, to making it another seven-game series.
1: I don't know. I, I've been watching this team pretty closely over the past couple of days here. I think they might be better than last season, which is crazy, crazy to crazy think. To say, yeah. Just because they they struck that balance between offense and defense so well and, and really dominated all of last year. They won 65 games. Uh, I just feel like we put a lot of stock in Trevor Ariza as being like the key to everything, right? And obviously they took a hit when they lost him, but it was more because of the guys they tried to use in order to fill the void. It was the mellows. it was the Michael Carter Williamses, it was the Marquis Chrises of the world. Uh, but they've slowly and steadily just like worked the fringes better than I think I've seen in a very long time. Yeah. I don't like. Daniel House, Again. I believe. <laughs> yeah. I g- great. Right. last night. I, I think he's like a, a credible 3 and D wing. I think he's shooting close to 40%. Uh, and he's the type of guy that is pretty much enough of what you want from Ariza. It's basically you're trading off the certainty of Ariza, a veteran who's been in those situations, who's been with the Rockets for a very long time, friends with James Harden, to almost these dice roll players like House, uh, like Austin Rivers, yeah, uh, Amon Shumpert, who they got... A, Effectively, just to for getting rid of uh, Brandon Knight's contract and a, and a draft pick, so they have some guys, and I'm really curious to see what they can do in the playoffs.
2: Well, I think they've also, you know, we've often talked about Harden's defensive reputation, but they've, as he's gotten a little bit better on that, I think they've sort of gotten emboldened, if you will, mm-hmm. by him causing deflections or you know getting steals, which, which he has done a very good job of this season, and 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 taking on this sort of. I don't know if I want to call it identity, but of like kind of wreaking havoc a little bit and, and being that way on the defensive end. Because if you watch them against the Clippers last night, they like suffocated them. Like they were, they were, you know, deflecting passes, turn, forcing a lot of turnovers. And that's the way you want a team to look like if you're going to go up against the Warriors, I think.
1: Harden's been good on defense. Uh, well, I wouldn't say good. I would say serviceable for sure. Yes, competent.
0: So, yeah. yeah. Well, I think, I mean, even in the beginning, a lot of it was just that he was lazy. On defense, it mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily that it wasn't there. I think that his uh, defensive abilities or lack of defensive ab- abilities, like I wouldn't even have called that true last year. There were many moments last year when that people compared like Russ's defense even to Harden's, and pretty often Harden's well, post, was better.
2: His post defense is also really good. I think if you look at the analytics.
1: Paul just cramming those stats <laughs> yeah. now it, it's funny to think though like we talk about how so much has changed with that team but they really just their best five or the five they're probably going to use most often in the playoffs is still the same guys it's just it's Harden it's Paul Derek it's Gordon it's Concapella it's PJ Tucker yep so like we always talk about consistency being key to certain teams. There is a degree of consistency. They've just been able to fill out the the six through eight guys that they're going to need yeah. uh, in a playoff series. So I, I'm really encouraged. I'd be surprised at this point uh, if they didn't make the Western Conference Finals again. And I'm starting to think that like it, they might even... Get,
0: my, yeah. my one concern is that uh, Say it. Harden had a huge <laughs> year. He had a historic year of yep. scoring. And... guys do get worn out. Yeah. They're going to need that from him in the playoffs. And the first place that his energy will go is defense. And
2: to that point also, Chris Paul has returned from another hamstring injury and he's been very good. He's been pretty good. But can he hold up, right? Is he he not going to fall into another injury trap in the postseason, which obviously would doom them again. So it's a very fine line.
1: Yeah. I think Harden's usage this season is second in history only to the Russell Westbrook MVP season. Which wow. is a lot. And it's yeah. a lot of isolations. He's like, if you look at the frequency of isolation plays, it's like Harden at like 40%, and the next two are Rockets, too. And then everybody else. Falls it bangs out. up Amazing. your body, too. Yeah. Um, but I guess that the flip side of what you're saying about Chris Paul would just be that they were right there. And if they had Chris Paul, if he does stay healthy,
2: I think they win that. They yeah. probably
1: win that series. They, yeah. They're up, you know, 3 2 with home court advantage.
2: Up at halftime. Up at halftime
1: in game seven. They were up, I think, like
2: 17 the, in game six. They lost by a statistical like, anomaly, basically. Which the was all, the days. irony. Was, right, which was, was, it was quite just perfect. Thick. But, you know.
0: Get some of those LeBron no injury shots.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, let's let's move on here uh, to our, our slumping team, which I can't think of a team slumping more than the Oklahoma City Thunder, much to, to, to playoff P's chagrin here. Uh, <laughs> uh, th- <laughs> in the past 15, they're six and nine. Uh, in the past 10, they're three and seven. Uh, recently swept by the Nuggets. Not a good sign going into a playoff series where you're probably playing the Nuggets in round one. I guess that is kind of that. Playing the Nuggets is the question about the Thunder, right? Where in the regular season, they were beat every time they played them. But is this team going to be any different in a playoff series?
0: The Thunder just don't have enough offensive depth. Yeah. You just don't to be good in a playoff series.
2: And, And I think the news came out today that it doesn't look like like Andre Roberson was supposed to play some te- some games with the G League team, but he is now not able to because he's not ready, but he also the G League season ended.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> so uh, they,
2: they don't know what the de- like what the plan is there. Um, so that's not good. That's more on defense. But I think you're right. Like I don't know where else they're going to get that offense from. Well,
0: I mean, often it will come from some player. Yeah, they'll but have it's a like, good game. It'll be like, like one Terrence in three Ferguson. games. Yeah, yeah, Schroeder. It'll be like one in three games, and that's not consistent enough.
2: Right, it's... It Jimmy Grant. They have to fall back on the defensive identity. That's their strength and then hope that Paul George can score 40 points a night. Yeah. Which, you know...
1: They were built around Paul George being transcendent in a defense that was, like, bordering
2: on transcendent. Right. And
0: when Russ stresses out because nothing's going right, yeah. you know, he kind of gets aggressive and, uh... In the wrong ways. I like
2: I like you framing it as stressing out. Like he stresses out, and that's how that's what I think that's how he
0: reacts. Is that he he goes very much like I'm going to win this game. I have to win this game, which is like you can't. You're not going to win this game by yourself,
2: right? And also, it seems like Paul George may be having a shoulder issue too, which is factoring into all of this. So
1: yeah, it's always interesting when Russell Westbrook has these kind of uh, like statistical feats. He obviously had. Uh, 2020, 20, uh, just I believe a day after Nipsey Hussle died, and it's like he made a big point of it, and it was a nice moment. But there's always that kind of nagging thing in the in the back of your mind, like it, why aren't you like this all the time? Or like and I think
0: it would be exhausted. I think it's just like exhaustion. Yeah, because he does have to pull a lot of weight for the rest of his team, and you know their defense has been good all year, and that's also kind of exhausting.
1: All right, let's move on to a team that's peaking here, uh the Utah Jazz in the past 12, they're 11 and 1. Uh the, the, the funny thing is though, I cannot have envisioned an easier stretch of games than the Utah Jazz have played over the past couple. This is I'm going to read this off to you. They've had Phoenix, Minnesota, Brooklyn, Washington, New York, Atlanta, Chicago, Phoenix again, Los Angeles, Washington again, Charlotte, Phoenix again.
2: <laughs> that's basically like Go get that four seed. Go get the five seed.
1: Like, <laughs> right. Starts, like, like. So I'm a little bit torn here. I think things are coming together, as they often do late in the season for the Utah Jazz. Uh, The problem is just, the, the like, this is cake. This is There's really nothing to be gleaned from here uh, other than they're just kind of taking care of business.
0: I think that that contrasts with the next team that we're going to talk about, which is the Nets. They've had a, a horrifically tough schedule. Yeah. And I've watched their games, and, you know, the things that they have struggled with all season— uh, last night turnovers and rebounds. It's tough when you're playing teams that are like that excel and are good in forcing those. But I think that they, it's not themselves that has slumped. I truly think it's the schedule. It's been brutal
2: with the Jazz. I that does make me not trust them as much. Maybe because while things may be coming together and improving, it, it there's no. There's no barometer. There's like it's not a proper way to measure them. I feel like going into the pub. Now getting that, them to the getting to the five seed instead of, you know, where they could have played Portland, like that's huge. Because then I mean, Portland's obviously with the use of Nurkic injury, they're very vulnerable.
0: I will say with the Jazz, it is good to know that they are not a team that plays down and plays up to their opponent. Well, and it's yeah. nice that they're consistent enough to win the games that they have to win. Yeah, Or they uh, should win, I should say.
1: Yeah, I'm a little um, wait-and-see on the Jazz here. And in, in terms of the Nets, they're, the past 15, they're 7-8. and eight. Uh, As Haley mentioned, they do have a pretty rough schedule. I guess for me, it was just the, the game against the Raptors only, only confirmed that they can only do so much against certain teams. Yeah. And now the Raptors are probably a top-five team in the league, if not higher than that, perhaps top-four. Uh, it, just they have so much to throw at them, and it seemed like the, the Nets were trying to shoot them out of the game. Uh, but the Raptors would just keep going to either Kawhi Leonard or more often Pascal Siakam in the post, just for these easy buckets. Because it was usually yeah. like a Spencer Dinwiddie, because they were going with a three guard lineup, uh, or or someone like our guy Rodney Kierks, yeah, rodian's Kierks, Kierks Well, That's enough, uh, and or just Kawhi Leonard in, in isolation. Uh, it's just like it was just a little too easy.
0: The Raptors are so adaptable. It contrasted how much the Nets aren't. But again, it's the same thing that I was saying with the schedule. Like, this is who they have been and I still think that's impressive. Granted, I don't think that's enough to like, if they do end up playing the Raptors, it's I mean, just not enough.
2: It's a nice story for one, but it's also one that I thought it, with the right matchup could make an interesting Same. first round series Same, but I think, the
0: Raptors are not the right matchup
2: no not at all I think the Sixers would have been a nice matchup because they have trouble defending guards like D'Angelo mm. Russell and that and that would have been very interesting to me I don't I still think the Sixers would have won but something like that I think could have pushed their season a little further
1: yeah it's, it's just interesting because we we talked about I think it was last week about just teams that can upset other ones uh, and it's interesting to think about in, in contrast to the NCAA tournament just because like a lot of times if you just get hot from three, then you're a 12 seed and you're all of a sudden in, in the Elite Eight. Minnesota,
0: yeah. kill me. <laughs>
1: there you go. <laughs> uh, with, with a team like the Nets, you're going to have to beat them four times. Yeah. You're going to have to beat the Raptors four times. And it's just it's a tough matchup for, for anybody, uh, let alone a team that doesn't really have a lot of size uh, is going to have to shoot you out of the game. Um, so it's interesting to see I think it's been a positive season overall here Um, we'll see I guess what happens in free agency going forward Um, that's it for me I think anything else guys Haley
0: just gonna put my contacts in
1: yeah
2: let's do
0: it go out of here shooting
1: any more shade to throw anyone at who
0: Paulo you wanna talk some more shit meet you outside after (laughs) this (laughs) All right,
1: that's it for this week Uh, we'll be back next week when we'll have some playoff matchups to discuss basketball is very good
0: Football is very good.